Sport on Flashback Fridays, 6 to 7 p.m. Only on SAFM. So let's hear then from our guest on Flashback Fridays, Hendrik Ramallah. And I began by asking him, well, uh, what is up to this weekend? And obviously, he's off to the Cape Town Marathon. I will be there. You'll be there? Yes. So, you know, to support the guys and to support the race, my guys are running the 10 case. Mm. And who who are your guys and what expectations do you have for them? We have Desmond uh, Mukobu who's going to run in Duha, mm-hmm. the marathon. So just sharpening, uh, using this one to sharpen. Uh, Precious Marshale, the winner of the SA Cross Country Championships recently. And Maxine Chamaton, the CGA champion for 4K Cross Country. Last year, you had high expectations for Desmond and Michael uh, Mazubuko. How do you sum up the races? Uh, this time, uh, for the marathon, uh, we don't have uh, anybody. So, Dylan Mugoga is not running. Our big guys are, are going to world champs in Doha. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough for, for, for the South Africans. But they, we're, we're putting our uh, hopes on Elroy Galand, Gladwin Mazazi. Yeah, we our field has been weakened, I have to mm. say, with the, the absence of uh, the defending champion. And uh, for those who are wondering, what is Hendrik Ramala's role here? Are you coaching? Uh, what's your role with this group? I'm, I'm the coach and kind of manager, mentor. Mm. I'm trying to do everything. The drivers, everything. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, officially, I'm the coach. Sorry. Officially, you're the coach. Yes, but I'm doing more than coaching. Mm. And I remember even for our guys that were at the Olympics, you were the coach, the Netbank guys, you were the coach. Is that something that you've been doing over the past few years? Yeah, I've been doing it you know, for, for, for a while now. Mm. Even during my running days, I was still... I'm not, I'm not officially retired, but I'm just saying I'm, uh, I've been training my squad, the guys who, who train with me. I always had a squad, that's true. So, mm, I've always been coaching. A bit of management, you know, taking them to races, getting them into races, and making sh- making sure that they 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 are well looked after. I have I've established a foundation for them, so mm. you know, fundraising for 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 food, for travel, for all these expenses. And what kind of support are you getting for this foundation, uh, Mr. Hendrik Ramala? In South Africa, it's very hard to get to get money. We get most of our support from the Netherlands. We have a, we have partners there. They support us with travels to overseas races. They support us with clothing. They support us with uh, funds for allowances. Yeah, to make sure that the guys are eating. And then here locally, we have a, a 32GR for 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 sports drinks. You know, energy drinks. And then we have a magnesium cafe also. Mm. Magnesium products. We have uh, impala meat yes, and yes, vegetables. Yes. Yeah, those are our, our main guys. They 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 give us discounted meat and fruits and veg uh, weekly basis once a week. Mm. So and then we have a I have I have a place where I keep them. So that's my contribution. And then. We drive them around to trainings and to local races. So we are doing we are doing pretty well. I mean, we are getting the results because that's the main thing. Mm. This morning, it's around two two nine. 
qualified for world champs twice. And then, yeah, London 2017 now. I mean, 2015, Beijing, now it's 2019, Duha is still going there. Precious Marcella is qualified for uh, World Half Marathon champs uh, and the World Cross Country Championships. He finished 16th this year in Denmark. And then we have Maxim Shamato, also junior, qualified for World Cross Country Championships and Africa Championships of Cross Country. And then we have other youngsters and coming up. And, you know, we, we're doing well. Mm. The problem, we have lost most of our senior guys to to other uh, clubs. So, But we're building new champions. It's ironic that you are a coach because in your heyday you were known as the guy without a coach. Uh, yes. Why, why did you feel the need to assist uh, th- these guys? Uh, going back uh, during our times as runners, uh, coaches were very few, you know, and most of the coaches not trying to undermine them. They they were not the uh, well traveled. They were not the they were not given the the goods, the the materials to to qualify. You know, these days we have all these courses. Mm. Uh, ASA is doing courses, and then you have IWF courses. IWF is bringing people into Africa to to help with coaching. So we have qualified coaches coaches this this days. Before those 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 things were not were not there. I mean, there were guys who were coaching. The, the only thing they were, they knew was just to write these things on a piece of paper and give it to you. And then you found out that the program they gave you was just impossible. Mm. I remember one time I was asking one one coach, but I won't mention names, but I mean, I was like laughing because at least I understood running. I just wanted to see what kind of programs they will give to us. But it gave me an impossible co- yeah training program. I mean, physically, I could, I could, me couldn't do it. Imagine the younger ones just couldn't do it. Mm. Even at my best, I just couldn't finish it. But so, so the best thing for me that time was just to do trial and error. Mm. And I was learning a lot. I was reading a lot. Uh, I traveled and spoke to athletes, big guys out there. And then they gave me a lot of tips. And then I, I could, and then I managed. But these days, the younger, these younger ones need to, to be well looked after because we know we lost the uh, the sport is struggling at the moment. We lost most of our big names. They are mostly retired or they are old, and the the new generation is not coming up. They are very talented, but they are not coming up. Mm. We need to work a bit more compared to the older guys. The older guys were doing on them by their own, but the new generation need to follow them around. If I don't teach up at training, I wonder after two weeks if they will still be there. Mm. So you need to follow them around. And for those in the Kramala not familiar with your story, uh, just uh, tell us about the bit about your background. Where where are you from and how was your upbringing? I was born in 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 the village in out just outside Pilisbeck, Ramalepo, uh, outside Polokwane, uh, 1972. Yeah. That is 47 years ago. Yeah, I went to school there, finished primary and high school there, and then moved to 
Johannesburg to look for greener pastures, mostly to come and study. Uh, I was not a, an athlete before that. Uh, I used to play soccer at that time. Is it true that you couldn't make the first team at VET? That's why you I went into running? Yeah. yeah, I couldn't. So, uh, And then I ended up running around, you know, just because I was not making it here. You know, the style of play was not the same. I, but it's cop and donor. Yeah, you know, at home we... we to hear people, I mean, PAs, I don't know, you call it disc, you know, shoe shine and all those. People, they like the flair. At home, we used to play, you know, you kick the ball, you defend, you score, you know, simple football. Here, they, they wanted guys with a flair, you know. <laughs> the the Dr. Kumalo, see if you remember the doctor. Yes. We, we grew up in the in the days of Dr. Kumalo, Ace Kus, uh, those were the stars. Yeah. Uh, so, so people were more into those kind of play. If you, you didn't know how to play that kind of style, you know, you are not interesting. So but what? then I ended up running. So when I when I was at VET, uh-huh. I I was studying for my law degree. Yes. Yeah. So in short, I did a big prog LLB, spent six years there, and then I, once I finished, I I decided to to take up a, a bigger challenge, uh, running internationally. Before we get into that, I was about to say many people might not be aware that you are a lawyer, graduated at VETS. Was that always a goal or a dream uh, for you? It was my, my main goal when I was growing up. My my biggest, Yeah, my main dream. I wanted to, to practice law. But then, you know what, things changed. Once I started jogging around and entering the local races, running became the, the biggest passion in my life. So I decided to give it a go. But first things first, I, I decided to finish my studies first. I mean, you don't finish, you can always go up, you mm-hmm. can always do... I mean, I did a junior degree, deep a senior degree, and on a B, LLB, I could have done master's or a higher diploma in labor or in, in any other thing. But I decided not, it's better to, instead of going into practice or continue the studies, at 25, 24, 25, I decided... I needed to see the world. Let me go see how I can manage internationally mm. and compete with the Kenyans, the East Africans, the Americans, the Japanese. That's where I ended up. Why, why did you decide to move to, to, to Europe? Well, there, were there better opportunities there or were you just closer to the international scene? <coughs> yeah, uh, we, you know, in South Africa, we are more connected. I think that's general knowledge. We are connected to the UK, England. First options. I mean, when you are looking for opportunities, normally the UK will come into your mind. Europe is a bit, you know. I think because of the culture, of the cultures, the the English are here, the language, language barrier. Europe is a bit of, uh, you know, foreign foreign land. But the, the UK, because of the language, the cultures, we, we, we it's easier. It's easier to live there and to to use it as a base. To go into Europe, to go to the U.S., to to travel around the world, so that's that's why I ended up I ended up in Crystal Palace uh, in London. I had a manager there. I was staying at the sports center, mm. Crystal Palace sports center. You know, I used to visit places like Brixton. It's like our hill, bro. You know, mm. yeah. So I was I was more at home there. Because a lot of there's a lot of similarities, except for the weather, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the weather in winter, you know, it's just not it's just not conducive to 
anything. He just want to go back. I mean, to come back home. But I survived the, that weather. I, I survived the conditions because uh, I wanted to achieve my objectives. And and when did you say that you felt now comfortable? You felt you're making your mark in Europe. Was it when you won in Marseille in '98? I finished my LLB in '96, and then the same December I left to go to Europe, and then I ran. I ran the, the cross country season, which is like winter. Wind, you know, our winter is their summer, our summer is their winter. So mm. I went to that for their winters, which is December, January, February, March. I ran the cross country season. I did very well. I was coming top, top five, top ten mostly. Made a bit of money, came back, got myself a place to stay here because I didn't have a place to stay after. I used to stay at university res, residence, hostels, mm. and then. I came back, first thing was to look for a place to stay. I stayed in the Ponte, you know, Ponte City. Mm. Yeah, that's what, I used to stay there, 30, 30, 34, 33. <laughs> yeah. Uh, happily, finished. I was like happy with myself. It was an achievement for me. I was on my own, had my own flat, you know. And then trained harder and then... And then I went to World Cross Country already that time. I managed, and then I went to the track season. I managed to break the SA record. That was 97, May 97. I I managed to run SA record 10,000. And then later in the year, in October, at the World Champs in Kosic, that is Slovakia, I I managed to break another record for the half marathon. Mm. And I was still, I think I was still 25, so, you know. It was new to me, I was hungrier, so things were coming quickly. With records, uh, and then came the, the payments, the money came in also. So, And then I got stuck. I couldn't come back to, to, to work. I decided not. Actually, sport is more rewarding than the, guy, my, the guys who went to, into practice. So I decided to give it more time. And also, a, a, a lot of people now remember the 2004 New York Marathon when they look at your highlights. But before that, you'd run in New York before. In 2001, you'd come fifth. What did you learn from, from, from that point to the time when you eventually won? You know, people remember my career as a marathon runner. But, but the, my career started in the cross country. That's mm. where I, I made my first mark. In, I mean, internationally. That's where I used to get the invitations. That's where I started my career in Europe with cross country and then on the track also. I had several records. I, I ran world championships, several world championships. The 95, in, 95 world championships in Sweden, 97 in Athens, 98, 90, 99 in, in Sevilla, Spain, mm. and then I had the Olympics in, in Atlanta, 96. I was running track. So my career was mostly on the track and the cross country and on the shorter road races because I broke the half marathon, the 20K, my, uh, you know, th- those those records on the road. I, I broke them before the, the 2000. 99, I broke the 10,000 again here in Port Elizabeth. So when I went into the marathon, I was already an established runner. Mm. I was already accomplished in the other distances. But then the marathon... I think because it's, people love marathons, mass participation, I think, and TV, I guess. Uh-huh. And then, you know, New York, London marathons, Olympic marathons, those those are watched by a lot of people. 
the world watches you when you're running those events. So that's, I think that's why people know me as a marathon. Mm. I mean, in all in all, I ran nine New Yorks, eight Londons, London marathons, and two Chicagos, two Paris marathons, and two uh, marathon a marathon in Japan, and you know, four Olympics marathons and a few world championship marathons. That's that's how people rem- I know people remember me because of marathon, but yeah. I had a career in on the track and. On, on that note, why were you so versatile doing the different events and not limiting yourself to one speciality? I don't know. I, maybe because like maybe it's because I didn't have a coach. <laughs> I was I was free to do what I thought. To, uh, you know, it was like part of the plan. I ran the shorter distance when I was young, and then after twenty yeah after twenty eight after turning twenty eight I I I decided and I was pushed. You know, by the the big marathons out there to come in because they wanted names. I was old, I had already made my name in the shorter distance. Mm. So to get an invitation into London Marathon or New York Marathon was a bit easier. So and then of course the financial uh, rewards were bigger. Uh, it was natural to just to to go into the marathon. It's kind of a business, you know. It's it's called growing up, you know. <laughs> the, the rewards were just too high to 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 ignore. Lucky enough, I started a bit. I started by struggling. I mean, my best position, uh, first marathon was fifth in mm. London, and then I struggled in New York. I think the first the first few New Yorks I struggled mm. because it was very hard. You know, it's a winter marathon and it's, it's a bit chilly. The weather, I, I don't like cold weather. I still don't like cold weather, and of course. When it's too hot, also it's a problem. But then I got it right in 2004 because I I managed to win. It was always a dream of mine to win New York, London, and Olympic marathon. Those were the the three races I wanted to to win. It was part of the dream. Talking about that New York marathon, you ran in a time of uh, 2:09 and 28 seconds, and you actually said that you felt that. At that moment, you were in your best shape, and that, and you felt that nobody could beat you on the day. Why? Why were you so confident? Was it preparation, or were you just feeling good on that day? Ah, it was. Uh, you know, the whole year I could feel it. I was training so well; everything was like going well in, in my career. I just needed that big, big win, and I knew the biggest stage was either Athens, because it, uh, you remember that August two thousand four. In August, yes, yes, the, yes. Uh, there was an Olympic Olympics. marathon. That's where I participated. I was leading, and then I didn't finish the race. I DNF'd. Uh, that's the runner's language. I didn't finish. My dream came down, you know, collapsed because I, I was thinking I was gonna win that that, that race. Mm. I mean, I spent five months in the in Europe preparing specifically for the marathon in Athens, the Olympic marathon. I spent like. 60 days in the mountains, in the Pyrenees mountain, running from Spain to the, from the border of Spain to the French Pyrenees. That was, I used to train hard. That year I trained so hard. And then it didn't work out. I didn't get any results in the Olympic marathon. So the only, naturally I had to choose a marathon quickly. And then New York gave me another opportunity. And then I didn't, I didn't disappoint. I was in the best shape of my life that that day. I mean that time. And I was untouchable on the on the day. 
I didn't even feel the heels of New York that day. <laughs> you know, when it's your day, it's your day. I want to fast forward to the to uh, two years later, the London Marathon in 06, because what's interesting there is that you ran your PB of 206 and 55 seconds, but then after the race, you said that you felt that was not your best race and you could have done better. Why was that? I should have won, according to me. I I don't know. You know, as part of my dream, London was, was the next target. Because I targeted New York, got New York, targeted London, that was my that was supposed to be my moment, but then imagine the last kilometer I was there, just the last straight. Uh, uh, Martin Lelman, I mean Martin Lennon and Felix Limo mm-hmm. managed to outrun me. They they had better better kicks than me, uh-huh. so I was sitting there until the forty forty one point whatever case, just the last few hundred meters. The guys ran away. So I was a bit disappointed because I knew I failed that one. Then the following year, I might I might not be in the same shape, and mm-hmm. and that that's what happened. I couldn't win it after that. I could only manage fifth, and you know the the best position for me in London was was twice third, mm-hmm. like in 2005-2006. Personally, I think I should have won one of those two. You've also mentioned the Olympic Games a few times in our interview. You've participated in four Olympic Games altogether. Um, why why would you say that our athletes have failed to emulate the likes of Josiah Tuhuane's success? Uh, because it did show at the time that it is possible. Yeah, Josiah's story is, is you know his stories of legends. You know, it's legend legend stuff. He's, those guys because I was there in Atlanta. I know how hard they trained. Mm. I think there's there's even a story on. In the SABC files, mm. if people can go, f- they will. They will, they, will, they will. They need to see that story. I saw it once on TV. Josiah, Hertes, Polile Yawa, and uh, Lawrence Pym. Mm, mm. Yeah, I was there. So they spent seven weeks in Albuquerque. Albuquerque is like a desert area. I trained there several times myself. Shadrach Hoff has trained there, mm. and some of the South Africans. We use just because of Josiah's success. We also decided to use it as training grounds sometimes when we were in the in in the U.S. It's a desert, mm. you know. In the summer, it goes up to like it can hit 42, 45, you know, very dry. So they spent seven seven weeks of in in, in that heat training for the heat of Atlanta. Atlanta is is hot and humid, and then Josiah. He trained so hard. I mean, the team trained so hard. One of them could have won on the day, but then Josiah took it. It was just out of that dedication, the support they they got from the Olympic Committee. Uh, these days, we we want to emulate. I mean, we wanted to emulate, and the new generation wants to emulate, but it's no longer the same. Okay, if you've just joined us, we are catching up with legendary runner Hendrik Ramala. He is our guest on Flashback Friday here on SAFM, a spot on. We had to, uh, to, to, to speak to Hendrik before the show started uh, because uh, he is on his way to the Sunlam Cape Town Marathon this weekend where he's coaching. He's got a few athletes that are running there. Uh, so that is the first part of our interview with him. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to continue hearing from Hendrik Ramala talking about his journey. At SAFM Radio and at 
Tabiso Musia on Twitter. In conversation with Hendrik Gramala on Flashback Fridays, you heard that he's not uh, happy with the uh, state of uh, running at the moment. He feels that we are behind. And what does he think is the difference then between us and our, uh, our counterparts here on the continent? Fancy of Safaricom, CEO of this big company, sitting there watching over the athletes. I mean, all the training camps, most of the European managers, agencies, sport agencies, have built camps and offices in Kenya, in Ethiopia. For them, sport is business. Yeah. They are looking for new talents. I mean, we have thousands of Kenyans uh, on, on, the, on the circuit, whether it's track, whether it's cross-country, yeah, whether it's yeah. road. You find Kenyans everywhere. You find Kenyans in America, you find Kenyans in Japan. They even speak by Japanese, I was in Japan. find these Kenyans speaking Japanese. They even give them free scholarships in, to study there and show them how to train. They are showing Japanese how to train. You know, they train with Japanese, they train with Asians, train with Americans. You have thousands of Kenyans in American colleges on, sc- on scholarships. We don't have the same thing. People don't come here to scout. Now Uganda is the new market. You go to Uganda, it's crowded. Europeans are the European agents scouting for talent. Now it's a big market there. We are a bit lacking behind. I think we are also still closed. South Africa is still a closed country. Uh, People are not keen to come in. There's yeah. too much red tape, I think. On that note, you were involved in Athletics SA. You were vice president to James Evans at some time. How do you look back at your time there in the office? Uh, in short, that one is an unfinished business. Mm. Yes. I, didn't, I, didn't, I, I, I couldn't do what uh, I... That, that, I couldn't do uh, what we planned. We couldn't do what we planned. For me, it's an unfinished business. That's why I want to... That's why I started my own foundation, because I want to finish my dream. Mm. I, 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 I have my own dream for the country, for, this, for the athletes in this country. Uh, because for me, when I used to run, I used to believe that South Africans were better than Kenyans, were better than Ethiopians. And I, I could see, I would meet maybe 15, 15 Kenyans, 10 Ethiopians in a race, and I will beat them. You know, as South Africa, actually, if I go back home and get like, 20 or 50 athletes, if you can get best 50. Kenya, we'll make Kenyans, we get Kenyans scared, Ethiopians. East Africa will be scared of us, but we are not doing that one. So for me, my time in at ASA was short and was mostly political. I, I, we, I, couldn't, I couldn't deliver what the, the business plan we had. You don't want to be part of the system? Uh, I, I, it's too much red tape. I will be. I can be part, but it's too much. It's a lot of energy. I mean, I can go back. I mean, it's it's all about elections. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's who gets elected on the day. But I have I have a, I have a business plan. I have a plan for 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 long distance running in this country, for middle and long distance running in this country. And I'm 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 well focused. And I think I'll do it with support or with no support. Yeah. And I've I've met all most of the young kids. I've met most of the younger coaches. They are going to cooperate. We'll move forward with or without the other people in charge. And you're confident that the talent is there because we saw how well our men's team did at the recent 50K World. Uh, I know the talent is there because I, I go to all this. I was there just that the, the media, you guys seen from the media, you didn't come to Pretoria, mm. the cross country. Mm. I was sitting there the whole day watching, watching these young ones. It was exciting. 
you had like well, nearly 3,000 kids from age, I don't know, 6 or 8 until uh, the Masters, you know, the 60-something. Mm-hmm. The whole day, it was a championship, the best of each province. And then you can go to the school's championships, you know, and you you will see real, real talent. And then when they go 18, 19, 20, they, it, it disappears. So somehow, some, somehow, somewhere, we, we are missing, we are missing it. It's the kids that get discouraged, I don't know how. But you must watch the 14-year-olds, the 13-year-olds, you know, from 12 until 16. Very powerful. We, we can compete with anybody in the world at, with that, those age groups. But then somehow we lose it. On that note, Hendrik Ramala, I mean, your half-marathon record was only broken, I think, last month uh, by Stephen Mokoka when he raced in Argentina. It stood since 1997. How do you feel about about that? Are you happy that somebody broke it eventually? Are you disappointed that it took so long? Are you not happy that it was broken? No, for, for me, records are there to be broken. And the quicker the records get broken means there's progress, means there's development, means the sport is growing. My yeah. records or the other people's records, not be, I mean, the marathon records since 1999 is still on. My 10,000 record is still on, 1999 also. Mm-hmm. The other one was 22 years old, the half marathon record. Mm-hmm. That That is a sign of things going down in the long distance events. It means we're not we, we were not progressing for 22 years. So you know, it means we the younger ones after us didn't didn't take the bet baton. Mm. Yeah. So as as one of the older guys who has been in the sport, I mustn't let that thing. I mustn't let the sport go down. Mostly long distance because one time you remember in the 80s and 90s. There was this golden era, yes. the nineties and the eighties and nineties golden era. Mm. You had over like thirty, forty athletes who could compete with the best in the world that time, but they were not allowed to do it because of the policies, you know, the politics. Mm. And now we have all these opportunities, and then our kids want to play PlayStation and they don't want to run anymore. Mm-hmm. So we 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 have to go out there and get them young and focus them. It needs resources, but mm. they, you know we have to make plans. We spoke to one of those stars a couple of months ago on our show, Kolile Yawa, and I think he shared the same sentiments that you are sharing with us today. And as we wrap up, Hendrik Ramala, I'd like to get your thoughts on Elliot Kipchoge looking to break that two-hour marathon barrier. Can he do it? I want him to do it. Personally, I think if he if he if he does it, even if he's, he's, he's ineligible for record purposes. Mm-hmm. I think it will be, you know, like he says, like moon landing, like uh, Armstrong and those Americans going yes. to the moon. It will break a barrier. I think it will change the sport as we know it. It will, it will give athletes that belief that there are no barriers. A human, 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 a human can do whatever he wants. He can run under two hours. It's unthinkable, but. Last time he did one now, I mean, two hours, 25 seconds. Mm. He's left to, he needs 20, he needs to break that only 26 seconds. Yeah, I, I, I would love him to do it. And uh, 
he has a big support in NES, you know, this, this big, big company, mm-hmm. massive funding. He has all the support, all the pacemaking in the world. I wish them the best. And I know the guy personally, so um, I, I want him to achieve because he's, he's a good human. And if there was anybody that could do it, is it him? And is he the greatest? It better, it better be him because, you know, he, he's a good human. He's a good sportsman. He's, he's a smart human. You want that kind of a guy. He, he's very talented, hardworking. That is the best example of, of an elite a marathon or long distance uh, athlete. You want, I, I, I mean, I personally want him to do it because he's the best example out there. Mm-hmm. He might not be outspoken or, as, you know, uh, he might not get the attention, but he's the best out there. Mm-hmm. And and now, just back to you, your son has national colors in swimming. We saw him at the Region 5 Games, I think it was last year. Uh, yes. I, I, what do you make of his career choice and are you supportive? I'm very supportive. He's his, his, his choice. He chose his, uh, his 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 path. And as a parent, the only thing I can do is to support him. I chose my path myself. My parents didn't get involved. I I, I traveled the world. I did all those things. My parents were just my biggest fans. I'm I'm his biggest fan also. I'm not going to interfere. The only thing I'll do is to make sure it happens. I will, I will fund it, I will support him, I'll, I'll be fully behind him. It is his dream. So he's lucky he has a sporting dad who understands mm-hmm. sports. So all the best for him. And you must- well, that's our inv- an interview then with the legend himself, Hendrik Ramala, just catching up with him, finding out what he's up to and how does he look back at his uh, career. And good luck to him and his uh, athletes that are taking part in the Sanlam uh, Cape Town Marathon and to the, the rest of the runners also that are in Cape Town for the marathon. All the best uh, to all of you. As we end the show now, with, let's remember our heroes, uh, Chester Williams. There'll be a public funeral for him at Newlands uh, tomorrow. And uh, we've actually managed to pull out an interview that he did with the uh, Mr. Vuyo Mbuli and uh, he was uh, uh, basically adding his support to Bafana Bafana's AFCON 2013 campaign. Chester, first, what is the purpose of your visit in Romania at, uh, at this time? Well, the purpose of my visit in Romania is that uh, I'm coaching here in Romania mm. and I'm, I'm working as a team of coaching rugby, so that's my main purpose here. Yeah, what's it like in Romania? How difficult is it to coach there? It's uh, difficult in a way because, you know, the culture is very different to what South African culture is. And uh, uh, apart from that, it's snowing here and it's, uh, it's difficult to find um, outside, uh, outdoors to, to, to train. Uh, so most of the time you're indoors uh, training. Yeah. Just talk a little bit about why, what your hopes are for Bafana Bafana today. Are you hopeful the team can do well? Yes, obviously we all are going to stand behind the Bafana Bafana because you know they are they, they are team, they are they are our, our, our brothers uh, from South Africa, and you know it's what's important is all for for Bafana Bafana is to understand that you know uh, you rightfully use the team. We must stand behind the team, and that's what we basically stand for: a team. Um, and everyone has a responsibility towards the team, even though they have the individual goals. Yeah, just thinking back to Rugby World Cup 1995, I, I remember uh, in the beginning nobody gave the team a chance against the likes of David Campisi and those kinds of people. What drove the team? What inspired the team at the time? 
I think it's obviously uh, obviously the people uh, the, the the way the people thought that we're not going to win the Rugby World Cup, um, and uh, I think they performed performed in the same situation right now. Um, but the key thing is that uh, we decided that we will become a family and become a team, and uh, and, and and stand behind, stand together as a team, you know. And that was the, the success of the team. That's why our slogan was one team, one country, and that's exactly what we did. Yeah. So. I mean, if you were to get into the camp with Gordon Egerson right now and talk to the guys, what would you tell them? The key thing for them will be um, forget about personal goals, think about your team goals. Team goals is about what you as a team um, have discussed and, 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 and want to do during the game. What is the, the targets for the day? Focus on those targets that you need to do. And, uh, and obviously, as, a, as collectively as a team, the, the success will be there. Okay, Chester, thank you very much. Let's let you go. We appreciate your thoughts and insights. Chester Williams is, of course, as you know, Rugby World Cup winning winger with the Springboks in 1995. That was an interview with uh, the late Chester Williams and the late Vuyo Mbuli here on SAFM. And I guess they will be reunited uh, now. And as we continue to remember our heroes, uh, let's also uh, pay tribute once again. By the way, we did uh, pay tribute to Chester on Monday. The podcast is up on iono.fm if you want it, and also on SAFM Radio. And uh, tomorrow is Leandra Yagels' funeral, the female boxing and karate champion that was shot and killed by her boyfriend two weeks ago this Friday. It will be at the East London City Hall starting at 11.30. And let's also remember Leandra. These were some of her last words.